everybody, and welcome to Reheated, the Leftovers podcast for what uh, I guess is the very last time. I'm oh the host, God. Mike Marbach, uh, and to the right we have... I'm Sean Keegan Landis, and I'm here. Yes. Rob Lassiani, here. David Danella, here, but in an alternate universe. Jolie Darrow, some of me's here. <laughs> Present <laughs> and accounted for. Yeah. Uh, Let's go! <laughs> yeah. So, we didn't get any more reviews. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so and we never will. And we never, <laughs> we never, we will. never, ever, ever will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were supposed to pick a winner, which I'm going to say on the air is Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we were actually going to give is still up for debate. <laughs> uh, so you get Jolie's ice pack. Yeah. Yes, Jolie's ice pack. All right. Uh, no so let's never let's never provide context <laughs> nope. for that. No context for the butt disappearing. Uh, and mm-hmm. Zero context. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So let me start with Jolie. Jolie, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know if I needed all that closure. Um, I thought it was beautiful. I thought that the the acting was fantastic, but. Everything that I thought had already happened, it was like, never mind, we don't care about that plot, we're just going to do our own thing. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I wasn't fulfilled the way I wanted to be. Alright. Alright. David? Um, so for me, uh, I, I guess what I would say is that I... Um, it was, I, it was well, I personally needed that episode... Um. Yeah, and I, I liked it. Um, I, you know, I don't know how you finish a show like that, and that felt like a finish. Um, you know, I, I, I guess like um, I, for, I think it was actually the man we mentioned frequently, Alan Seppenwall, who uh, at one point he was on a podcast and he was like, you know, you know, if you actually go through most season or series finale or series finales. Most of them are disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, if something is just... Like, if something just makes a show feel finished, we're already way above the curve. Um, and this was both... Made the show feel complete and it was satisfying. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this. I, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe when we, as we start examining it, I will either go, I really, really like this, or maybe I'll go, oh, no, you, what, you all, you're, you're right. Fuck that shit. <laughs> um, but, um, but definitely yeah, just powerful. from, like... Uh, where I'm at right now, it was like that, that episode made me very happy. <laughs> Rob, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I I don't know that I needed it, but I appreciated it, and I agree. It's hard to not just not just to wrap up this series. Uh, it's difficult to wrap up any television show with any kind of satisfaction, especially when I don't know that this show had a ton of hype. Um, also, I was right. Lori's alive. <laughs> I was the only one who thought she didn't commit suicide, True. and I was right. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sitting Go in ahead, front of Trump. a plate of crow that I'm eating right now. <laughs> uh, no, no, honestly, tried to pull you narr- back off of that really narr- strongly. Narratively, uh, narratively, uh, you, you she should have been dead. Yeah, but but no, Sean, what you think? So my thoughts, um, uh, <laughs> I so the show is clearly about um, coping with loss and the. Um, by about the midpoint of this season, it seemed clear to me that they were focusing more and more on the story of Kevin and Nora, and they were going to tell their particular tale of, of coping with loss through the lens of that relationship. And I'm not sure how successful I found that focusing. Um, it, it seemed very clear that like entirely this episode was 90% focused on that. Um, and I felt more narratively satisfied with um, last week's ending <coughs> with uh, Kevin Sr. turning to Kevin Jr. on the roof and saying, what now? Yeah. Because that seems like a far more interesting way to talk about how you cope with loss, which is to say, well, I guess that tomorrow happens and mm-hmm. then the day after that happens and then you cope by existing mm-hmm. uh, whereas this seemed to be more about trying to provide um, sort of like closure to a relationship that I'm not sure I cared that much about by the end of season one and even by the end of season two even though they were deep into that relationship mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah I think everybody kind of um, hit where where I'm at I really thought last week I would have been fine with last week's Last week's finale. This w- this was a great episode, and the thing I do kind of like about it, in a way, 
you can put this at the beginning of the series and then just build, uh, like tell, like unravel it all the way from, from there in a way. Um, but <laughs> it was, a. It was it was good. Like Joey said, it was it was it was well acted. Um, I'm glad that Kevin did come. We'll talk about it, but I'm glad Kevin did come back as Kevin Kevin and just be like, all right, fuckers, like mm-hmm. just come in and just start telling <laughs> some truth. Yeah. Um, because up until that point, I I was a whole lot of what I the didn't fuck's know going when on. I didn't know where yeah. I didn't know what or who. I had a feeling that that's what he because it seemed like he just wanted to start from where it was. Good yeah. and fun and exciting, which I feel like is a common, <clears throat> almost like a trope. Like, let's start over. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he... At first, I thought he was maybe a little senile, but I realized quickly, like, no, this is this is a bit he's doing. And I think when it, I really, like, doubled down on that opinion was when she said the goat thing, when she said, you know, good thing... Uh, no, no, no. He said, good thing they didn't sacrifice it. Yeah. And Nora says, you have you ever seen a goat been sacrificed? And he said, no, that would be weird. But it was, like, so snarky. Mm-hmm. I I saw right through it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, let's keep it pretty open for for overall talking about it. Um, so, what's on your minds? Mm. So... Yeah, I, I, kinda, I agree with Sean. I think that the uh, that last week's episode was... The, was the closure for the, like, what the series was about in a much more real way. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the final examination of, like, all these people kind of, like, searching for purpose um, in their lives. And uh, including Kevin, actually, to, to be honest. Like, that the realization of, like, you know, him going to that place and then saying, I can never come back here. Um and like you know, like acknowledging that he had messed things up with something that was good for him, um, I thought was you know, you know that was the, that was the height of his arc. Um, you know, we were really watching the end of or- Nora's arc in this one, and Kevin's arc was a was a coda that intersected with that. Um, so, uh, um, but I, I yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, thinking about it, like, I, um, you know, I liked this episode because I guess, one, like, I, I, you know, I was invested in these characters and it just was nice to see where they all ended up, um, for one thing. And I think also, like, um, again, like I said that this was like, uh, it, it was, it hit personally with me. And I think the reason it hit personally with me is just because, like, uh, I've been in like a place where I keep thinking like, what is life about? Like what's all that stuff? And like, <laughs> no, and it just like, it was just like, I don't know. It was a nice episode for somebody who's like, uh, young, but not that young anymore. And just being like, oh, what are like, what are, what are like the, what are, what are you, what are we doing on this marble? Like what's our point? And, uh, <laughs> you know, doing stuff. I don't know. It was, it was nice. It was nice to watch. I think that story, um, th- like that this show, <laughs> it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Um, I think both these episodes serve as a fine finale to this show. And you Did can you say it's like a Matlib. Yeah, it's like a Matlib. <laughs> um, I think that I think this like uh, this episode almost seems like an epilogue, not like mm-hmm. like last last episode was the end of the story. This episode yeah. was like and and here's what happened a little bit, you know, 10 years later. How, how many years do we think 20? 20 I would say like 15, 20, yeah. yeah. 15, 20. So um, cause it sounds like, I mean, the big question for me that this episode does not answer, and maybe it's important, maybe it's not, but it's the last episode, so it's the only time we're going to have to talk about this stuff, is, was, uh, was Nora telling the truth with her, um, her explanation of the what, of the big what of this show, not the, not the, not the how, we, we don't know, that was the mystery that will not be answered, it's totally fine, yeah. and I think it's interesting that... Um, the the whole time I was watching the show, my 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 brain that knows how to watch TV shows is wondering why or, or wondering how how did this happen? What happened? Um, but what I really wanted to answer is just like explain to me exactly what went on. I didn't really need to know the 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 mechanics behind it. I just like oh so and and by the way we were right 
as a podcast, there was an all if nor is to be believed, there's an alternate split off universe where it, they have it much worse. Yeah. And that's what I took away from this, like, oh, we got it easy. Like, yeah. there's another world where there's only uh, 150 million people in, in the whole planet mm-hmm. um, and, and and not a pilot to be found. <laughs> um, so that's what I took away from this was, like, like we all think we have it so terrible when it's just from our viewpoint. Not and a pilot, but lots of, like, Ship captains? Yeah, apparently <laughs> enough. Well, yeah. I feel like the I feel I, man, I, I I do not want to insult the 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 the, the naval or uh, any any the, the the maritime folks that listen to this show. Yeah. But I they feel like a big ocean can, crew. I feel like uh, you yep yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you this can train somebody to to pilot a boat simpler than fly a plane. There seems to be less physics yeah. involved. Also, you can anchor a boat and go to sleep, you know, and just like <laughs> yeah. And like maybe maybe I'm totally off. I, I I that with that statement, I I I absolutely understand that I, I don't. I no, don't, I've piloted boats no, before, but they've been small listen, motor boats. This is a small small aside. Um, three years ago, my friend, <laughs> this is Maritime, uh, my dear friend, <laughs> Maritime, uh, with the Maritime, my dear friend, and his mother and father uh, invited me to come with them to uh, Baltimore to. Um, what I believe is called Trawler Fest. Trawler Fest. Trawler. Trawler Fest. Um, which is just a big festival where um, you get get to look at a bunch of yachts. Um, mm. But, yeah, and like some like some luxury uh, and some not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, during that during that festival, uh, the four of us went to a panel um, <coughs> called Living on a Yacht Permanently. Um <laughs> and uh, where uh, where a uh, where a couple who was probably in their uh, mid sixties talked about um, you know what it meant to um, to uh, shed your earthly possessions um, you know buy Except a reason fucking yacht yeah buy buy a reasonably <laughs> buy a reasonably <laughs> sized yacht and uh, just take it on uh, they're called voyages um, and I, I knew that yeah that and yeah. Uh, they're, um, they're well and, and uh, Cuba Gooding calls them uh, boat trips yeah, yeah. And, and apparently um, there are a, a large a large number of um, people in their fifties and sixties who um, kind of who take up uh, almost like full time yachting um, and will. Um, Go on voyages where they will cross the Atlantic, cross the South Pacific, where they will literally, or they, or there are people. There's like a community of boaters, all in their like 50s and 60s, who just like over the course of a year just make their way around the world. They just like over 365 days they circumnavigate the globe. Um, so what I'm saying is, like, there. How many of us are there? Five. Mm-hmm. One of our sets of parents is probably going to get involved. Like, is going to learn. If how it's to any drive, of them, it's going to learn. It's, it's, it's going to learn how to drive a yacht. It's probably going to be mine. Yeah. My dad's uh, always been. That was your quick aside. Yeah. yeah. If I can piggyback. <laughs> Fuck you, Lynn. If I can piggyback on that. Yeah. Uh, another thing I liked about the show uh-huh. um, is uh, <laughs> the fact that it it the. Comcast um, synopsis <laughs> of this episode was nothing is answered, everything is answered, and then it ends. And I don't know that we can say it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the podcast because, deal. Yeah, uh, Comcast really mostly uh, everything hit it on the head, uh, and it's it's kind of true. Like if you choose to believe Nora and what happens afterwards, then you have your almost scientific explanation for yeah. everything that happened. But you can also choose not to believe mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that you know nothing happened or everything happened. It's great and it's super annoying at the same time. Well, there's also there's this theme throughout this episode, which is like I don't tell lies. Like she yeah. keeps repeating that, and then like a few times it's proven she does tell lies. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you know everyone's kind of telling these small lies. And you know if you're going to connect it big back little to lies. Yeah, yeah, big little lies, another <laughs> great show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Such a good show. If you're going to connect it back to, like, the whole wedding sequence, um, they talk about sins, and they talk about, uh, like, the difference between sins and mistakes, and um, I think that, I'm not sure, is lying a sin? Is that, I I feel, I'm looking at It's generally considered a sin. Very false witness. So, I I feel like that all kind of connects all together and goes back to, like, is Nora lying, or is this a story, uh... And this is a story she's constructed to make herself feel better, or is she telling the truth? So if Nora didn't lie, if, if Nora lied, if Nora didn't lie, then everything took place the way she said. She went through, she came back. If she did lie, then 
it got up to here, and she said, stop! Yeah. And then mm-hmm. she just decided to go off the grid in Australia. Yeah. Yes. Um, so. The most unbelievable part of her story to me is that she found this guy, guy. who was like, yeah, I'll build you another one. <laughs> yeah, that's already funny. hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, prior to the case, right? Yeah. Like, he and came to the world and was like, oh, this is where the 2% are? Yeah. Hey! I got your 98%. Why don't <laughs> yeah. I build something to help you all out? And uh, I, one, one interesting thing I did read on Reddit, people were like, well, why wouldn't they just build it on the other end and get everybody back over to the, you know, wouldn't that be easier? And someone was like, uh, but if the but if the ball goes on the field, it's total chaos. And it's like, oh, okay, that's what they said in the uh, last episode. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So, interesting. Good, good, well done Reddit. I wish I knew the user's name. Um, <laughs> but... I what reason does she have to lie? That's my thing. I guess I'm just I'm happy that there's some kind of explanation, not to the how it happened, but to the the full extent of what happened. So I'm choosing to believe that Nora, uh, which is another way this episode is a choose your own adventure. If Nora is telling the truth, does that mean that there is quite possibly a perfect stranger's reunion? Yeah, on this other plane? Oh my god, yes. oh it most certainly does. To you an, came. Em- up, you came here <laughs> to an empty theater in yeah. uh, in in um, in uh, Phoenix or something. <laughs> it's uh, like I got a packed house tonight. Thirteen yeah. people. Yeah, stage greetings. What is, is what's they call? There's like a, a a threshold where if like a population gets to it, it like it's like it can't be sustained anymore. It is just in an in a an extinction spiral. I don't know. Um, uh, I wonder what it is for... Because um, this is what happened for dinosaurs, right? So dinosaurs, um, like, whatever the event that happened that led to dinosaurs' extinction, it also... It's not Event Horizon, right? I'm just... No, I don't, definitely not. I don't think so. But essentially what happened is uh, dinosaurs were already at a all-time low, right? There had been a couple of things that had happened that put them at an all-time low. And then whatever event happened, whether it was the eclipse or whatever, the meteor hit or whatever, happened. And that cut the population below a threshold where dinosaurs were never going to be able to recover. And it was just a matter of time before they, as a species, um, went extinct. Um, Humans seem much more resilient than um, dinosaurs in that sense. Like, they have, like, shorter gestational periods. They're smarter. they can have more children faster, which is the same thing as gestational period. Um, but um, so I, I, I bet 150 million would be enough to repopulate the Earth eventually, um, unless they're all spread out over fucking nowhere and like they just like. Even then, yeah. Even then, maybe. It makes me wonder about stuff. Like <laughs> cool. no, the like actual things and how. Like, do <laughs> I'm not being very clear. So, um, are you saying? Like, oh yeah, go. Actually, like, what is left? Like, were cars in their place with the departure? Were you know what I mean? Like, do they have all the same material things? Right. So, if this was like, if we had one universe and yeah. then the universe split in half, one of them taking ninety eight percent of the people and the other one taking two percent of the people, did everybody like? Are there two houses that both have Xbox three sixties mm-hmm. in them? Right. Like, are there both? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it she, sounds like she discussed she discussed abandoned buildings mm-hmm. um, so, and the like. So mm-hmm. she didn't say like, "Oh, and they had, yeah," because nothing like that disappeared on this end. Yeah. So it would stand to reason that nothing like that disappeared on right. the other. So end. they would, and then my other thought is like electronics. That's like confusing because then they'd still have cell phones. They'd still have yeah, like, all the waste, infrastructure like, still like, there. New, like because my the thing that made me think of that is like, do they have a way to like check with the other side of the world in this? You know, other other universe. Like, hey, they, you guys still around? Yeah, I would yeah, think they did. just have less resource, less 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 people to man those operations mm-hmm. uh, or person those operations. I didn't want to gender that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, <laughs> something gross that I thought of. If that all took place, yeah. are we going to go here? Say the uh, fetus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the first thing mm-hmm. I thought. I of. was just like, oh, gross. So yeah. in the other universe, a, a fetus bed. just squished on a bed in an empty room. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2% of the existing fetuses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So wowzers. Yeah. And and were there any on the, we, we didn't hear, were there any on this sides where the mother disappeared and um, the, the fetus. fetus did not? Yep. Also, probably um, a lot of... Didn't hear that. Like, yeah. thank you, babies show. Babies and children who, like, just, you know, who can't take care of themselves that might... Yeah. Happen. Oh, so, I yeah, I imagine on that, I met, on that other end, that is an extinction-level event. Like, I'm actually surprised on that other end that 
you know, and maybe this doesn't lend credence to to, uh, to um, Nora's uh, claims, but like, if the entire world's population depleted by ninety eight percent in overnight, I don't know that we survive that. I don't know that. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it would it would be considered the greatest. Like, so this was a weird thing that happened, and people kind of took their moment and then moved on in this world. I don't. I'm trying to think, like, if in this world... I mean, what for me is impossible to believe, and this is why I find Nora's story so hard to believe, is that seven years after 98% of the population disappears, her husband and kids are in fucking Mapleton, New York, with a new wife, but most of the city is run down. Yeah. Um, let's I'm take let's, to Beverly let's, Hills, baby. Well, no, but here's, but here's, here's the thing, right? Like, uh, what, like, uh, Ketchikan, Alaska, or not uh, Anchorage, Alaska, right? I think has like a hundred thousand people in it, right? Yeah. So if ninety eight percent of Anchorage, Alaska goes away, then two hundred people are left, right? Two thousand, two thousand people are left. Okay, two thousand people. Are left. So that's enough for that city to, to like, shut down. To shut yeah. down. Mm-hmm. But Mapleton's like four thousand tops. But Mapleton's like four thousand tops. So what? Like, so what is that? That's 80 people? That's 80 people. Yeah. That's 80 people. Okay. So the first thing that anybody would do, especially if they're in a place like Mapleton, is they would go to a big City. population yeah. center yeah. and they would, would think. band together and they would start a new community. Certainly many would. Yeah. Certainly um, many would. So the yeah. idea that seven years later, Mr. Durst and his two children, who I always thought were boys, because mm. what are their names? Aaron, Jeremy? Jeremy and Aaron? Oh, so this is this is a so this is okay. So this is this is a linguistic thing, right? Because I hear somebody pronounce Aaron, and I think they're saying what I would pronounce Aaron. We saw her Aaron first season. No, and that's why I was so confused when she kept saying Jeremy and Aaron, and I was like, I don't uh, like what the okay. I I forgot this whole time because she's because Nord been so focused on her kids that I I totally forgot that her husband too. Yeah, I forgot he existed. Right? Like I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) and also he cheated on her, so we were like, fuck that dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a reason why she didn't really mourn for his loss the way she mourned for her children. What else did this episode? Pop up. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I just I'm uh, very intrigued by the the method at which this story was told. Right? It's it's great. It's lovely. It's foreshadowed interestingly in Kevin Senior's um, also telling us a lot of his story of how he got to um, finally see Christopher Sunday. It's the same like I'm going to tell you a story now, and that's all that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I I actually think that in retrospect, um, uh, it would have been better to have preserved that um, narrative device for this final episode because it's just so perfect to to let to sort of let the mystery continue right how do we how is it that people like make their decisions about ghost stories it's either you're listening to somebody who's told a ghost story and it seems convincing enough and you're like yeah okay or you call it bullshit or maybe you, you've claimed to have experienced it yourself right um and nor is either sincerely claimed to have experienced this um or not but regardless we as the audience have to sit there and judge this now mm-hmm. right and try to um uh verify it and i think it was weird to burn the capital of having somebody just sit in front of another person and tell their story earlier in season three with Kevin Sr. Um, when this was such a great way to wrap up um, mm-hmm. what, what could be the, the mystery being explained. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, can we just take a moment and address how beautifully this, this show played some crazy emotional cards on us in the first the first act of this episode. Oh my god, I was um, gonna say that. it was like literally I don't uh, I don't know films that I've seen that had me in this much of a tense, almost like breathless state where I like I, I leaned forward, I had my hand I had my mouth in my hands, like I, eh. I, I it was claustrophobic, it was it was at times terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um seeing and, the hollowed out fossil uh-huh, uh, oh my god that uh, was come out. absolutely chilling. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, using nudity not in a gratuitous way, or like, I, I, as much as I can say whether something is gratuitous or not, it didn't feel gratuitous to me. It felt like this is the most vulnerable yeah. she could possibly be, and and I felt that vulnerability. Like mm-hmm. what, like very well done uh, in terms of the director and, and everyone involved in the show to to let me empathize with the character. Uh, and and well, the show's I believe good. that there is somebody out there who has a woman drowning in saline fetish. Oh, someone just, <laughs> like, someone, someone just found the, someone just someone just realized they are in possession of the worst fetish. Uh, 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 or, uh, who am I to yuck somebody? No, you know what? Whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. 
Uh, no, but I thought I thought the first act of this episode was like I mean it felt like a different show than the second two than the second two acts. Yeah. Um, what did feel very leftovers was Jesus Christ, man. Um, uh, uh, Matthew and Nora's scenes together saying goodbye to mm. each other was uh, yeah. I mean. I think I think the guy who plays Kevin is a good actor, but I, I think they purposely handled his shit last episode because they let two of the heavyweights get their <laughs> slug it out. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. that was I mean that was just I mean um, watching them act opposite of each other is just was incredible and it was so it was so beautiful and um, and I thought it was just like I like again like like just like that felt like some of the most personal writing that they had done uh on the show and there's not i mean i don't know like the you know again maybe you know this is you know because i you know i have sisters but like um the 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 intimacy of them talking to each other at the end felt like much more uh again it just felt it, it felt like it much heavier than uh you know kevin and nora's final like mm-hmm. you know come together yeah, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sean. No, you, you haven't spoken in a while. Uh, it's for the best. <laughs> um, no, just the, I was going to say, uh, agreeing with David there, <laughs> that the that chat they were having, the, the, the mat lib, um, and then just the, the way that the conversation very naturally but quickly at the same time transitioned from very lighthearted, mm-hmm. even about something a bit dark, because um, it was like a mad lib obituary kind of thing, uh, to talking about the Bible camp, and then... Uh, just the transition from uh, light to more heavy, but also from Nora to Matt was just just the way it was just played and acted was just so damn good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Christopher Eccleston. It felt very much like um, I don't know if any of our listeners or you guys have experienced like um, like a, a very deep close loss. Mm-hmm. Like if you've lost um, uh, like a, anybody anybody who you thought was very close, I'm sure yeah. we all have. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty universal experience, um, but it's it's the it, it always feels like I'm at a viewing of a relative that was very close, and I'm in like the waiting room. I've been standing on the receiving line most of the night. I needed to take a breather, so I go out and talk with one of my cousins, and we're like, suddenly we find ourselves like in this state of um, comedic relief. We made each other laugh. We told a story about the person, and then like immediately something just hits us with like, oh, back to reality. Yeah, Here yeah, we are we're in this situation. Focus. Yeah, and you and, and you feel that that grief from a, a more a more pointed place because you just had that moment of of, of levity. Um, yeah, and they used the in my uh, just replaying it in my head. They kind of use the mat lib to kind of transition there because she has said something like, "You've been a great gecko." Yeah, uh, uh, if I was a great gecko, I would have. Uh, I would be tra- trying to talk you out. If I was a great gecko, I would have pizzaed your toilet. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're a great gecko because uh, you're leaving me be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not trying to convince me, Sean. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> the um, I'm going to uh, mildly disagree with uh, with David because the the scene that really hit me. Uh, particularly strong is um, Nora and Kevin dancing yeah, at yeah, that, that dance, great. and I think what um, what Justin Thoreau, the actor who plays Kevin Garvey Jr., does best um, is um, dialogueless um, uh, facial acting, mm-hmm. um, and just the 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 one shot of the, them slowly turning and both crying mm-hmm. uh, was incredibly powerful. And uh, I I already mentioned my qualms about turning this into a story about um, Nora mm-hmm. and Kevin uh, when I think it's uh, it feels like it should be a larger story about loss. Uh, but I think that the story uh, should it should it happen to be about Nora and Kevin was very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I oh, I'm sorry. I just want to say I mm-hmm. I, I also I think he's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I just think the woman. No, you said he was. Oh, Carrie Coon said he was. She's like, the best. It's like, is yeah. so is the best actor on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was not. That was not to. I just don't want Justin Throw to hear this yeah. and think that I'm dissing mm-hmm. him because I think he's tremendous. Yeah. I was just gonna say they're both such pretty criers, and as everyone at this mm-hmm. table recently witnessed, <laughs> I am not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, say no more. Mm-hmm. Not to say no more. Talk about it. We didn't hurt Jolie. We didn't hurt Jolie. Well, we're not. We were, we're, not talk, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, I am also a gorgeous crier. <laughs> I, am, I don't think it depends on how uh, the level of crying I get. Yeah. If I'm like, I don't think anybody's a 
I've lost all I've lost all faculties, gorgeous crier. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can be I, like I, a stoic I, single tear. <laughs> I've got long eyelashes. They they they, they, soldier's they, they go crazy when I cry. It's I don't very cry. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep, everyone believes yeah, that, that, that tracks. Uh, that tracks. Uh, I have a question though. Um, I what? Cried dust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Closer to the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, why was that bathroom stuff. door so goddamn big? <laughs> it's Australia. <laughs> What? Uh, all right. Cool. Everything's bigger. Everything's big there. That's not a door. Wait, where is that? That's, That's Texas. Door. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, everything's pretty big in Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. But come on, bathroom Texas doors. That's um, so you can fit more fasters. Okay. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Say that one more time into the microphone. Sorry. I said. <laughs> I said Australia is the Texas of the ocean, folks. <laughs> you heard it here, guys. The Texas of the ocean. We've lost the rest of them. Well, you found the title of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we've lost the rest of our, our maritime listeners. Oh, boy. And most of Texas, unfortunately. Um, you know what? Is, uh, the other small thing I, I really liked about this episode was the wedding. Uh, and also how quickly I gave a shit about whose wedding it was and those two people. Oh, yeah. Like, what they... I, I didn't like the, necessarily like them because they did a lot of, like, the... Yeah. It was like they looked through a book of, like, what are some cliche things we can do at weddings that seem like they're meaningful, but, but as the show showed us, like... Like this is like they're gonna go. If they're gonna go. They're gonna go five hundred yards, mm-hmm. and they're gonna come back to the place. They're not going to all corners of the earth. Oh, and also, you almost killed this goat lady and guy. Like, oh, thank God for Nora. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. As we were watching, it did not look that steep. That hill. It was crazy when it cut to it. I was so like, I, I think they. I think they made it clear that it was not that steep, and that this was just a just her. Yeah, because yeah. they they her metaphorical yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was also oh, saying, right. I. <laughs> oh, I guess. I've had a few Those times where I've <laughs> tried to, like, capture on a camera how steep um, a hill is. It's and impossible. it's actually really hard to convey that yeah. on film or. I imagine you'd have to do, like, a moving. Like, you couldn't just do it on a static camera. You'd you still to... can't. It's still. Ri- I don't know why. It's something about the perspective, but it's just, like, I've tried to take pictures of, like, look how high I am, and it's not. It I, just doesn't. I could do it. <laughs> that's all, that's all the time he's saying not crying <laughs> all the tears he saves up going to his cinematography <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's like a cinematography class listening to this no there's not but there should be and they're just gonna go yeah you can yeah. <laughs> sure you can uh, sure you can I figured that out idiots no you're right though it is it is hard to like um, show depth yeah like David's that. got a side story what do you have a side story Real quick side story. Uh, yeah, I, a brief one. Uh, tried once in Spain. That one actually is brief. I do want to say, though, um, this points out a larger theme. So, and I've been thinking a lot about this because this is our final podcast. It's like, what yeah. are our final thoughts going to be about out. this? Um, so, um, and unfortunately, um, Alan Seppenwald did beat me to the punch a little bit about this. But I'm going to tell it my way, then I'll tell you how <laughs> Seppenwald sort of said it uh, very nicely in relation to today's episode. And um, he had time. He got screeners. Yeah. So he gets to compose his mm-hmm. thoughts. So yeah. he is, is very smart and very thoughtful, but it's yeah. not it's not jazz, baby. <laughs> yeah, over here, we'll be bopping and scatting. Yeah. Scatting. Um, um, so Damon Lindelof was on um, <laughs> The Watch, a different podcast uh, hosted by The Ringer, um, earlier this week. And he was uh, talking about... Um, the show in general, and one of the things he really wants to do is create things that are unexpected. Um, and he said that um, the the ideal thing to do is to create um, a TV going a TV watching experience where the audience says, "Boy, I, I didn't see that coming. That was very unexpected. I it, I couldn't see it go there." But then um, a lot of the um, um, the writer's room hours were spent making sure to justify, to make sure that they weren't just <laughs> doing that for the sake of the unexpected. And uh, uh, Lindelof, by Lindelof's taste, he said there were things that happened in the first season, like um, the dogs um, um, suddenly running away, that seemed like surreal for the sake of surreal, absent real uh, value to it. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that what, that's what made earlier seasons bad, uh, or early parts of season one bad. But by season two and season three, he thinks they did a very good job of that. And I think in general narrative storytelling, or just sort of um, uh, uh, yeah, I would, I'll just go with narrative storytelling, uh, is effective when it pulls off that one-two punch of, I didn't see that coming, but it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice mm-hmm. thing. I think my general critique of Damon Lindelof is he's so invested in the I didn't see that coming side of that equation, the creating unexpected stuff, that it's 
um, that he thinks that you can earn that cheap, but it makes sense anyway. Second half of that, um, because he's so enamored by what that unexpected thing is that he puts more effort. So if we think about things that happened, like the the sex uh, lion boat um, <laughs> earlier this How season, which is really Crazy. interesting and unexpected. Almost anything to do with Kevin Sr.'s story and how he got to Christopher Sunday. Um, totally wouldn't have written that. Would have never... None of us could have could have gotten to that. Um, and there's a sense in which they did tie that up, right? I didn't see that coming, but I guess it makes sense thematically, narratively, <clears throat> within the keeping of this. I think, though, I'm less concerned with that because Tom Parada, prior to this, is more just about this all makes perfect sense and this is all going to be smaller. And there's in part a way where you're going to say, I sort of didn't see that coming, but I sort of also seen, saw that coming and it made more sense the way that, that, it, that this was told than I could have even understood prior. And I think that's something that's more interesting that I really liked from the book and from the first season, honestly. Uh, that uh, that I think I don't like about Damon Lindelof. Do you know what's interesting about that comment is um, I uh, with did you watch the show Big Little Lies? You did, mm-hmm. Jolie. Yeah. And um, I so when I started watching that, a friend of mine, I'll shout her out, Stacy Lyons. I don't think she's watching. It listens to this podcast. Cool cat. Um, but she she said, "Have you read the book?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Read the book um, because Big Little um, Lions." She, because the book um, the book is great, and um, one thing that happens in the book is that. Um, the, the um, I can't remember the author's name. I'll, I'll, we'll edit it in post. Um, uh, 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 Leanne Moriarty. Um, she um, Leanne Moriarty. Um, she uh, she will write a she'll write a mystery kind of thing like this, and then and there will be a twist, um, and the twist isn't what you expect, um, but it's very satisfying, and it's something that if you that it, that you would actually like really fits with your expectations. Um, and I thought like one of the things that was, to me was very satisfying about big little lies was that was how it resolved. And mm-hmm. it resolved in a way where you go, of oh, course, yeah. uh, of yeah. course this makes sense. And you're um, still feeling that mystery. And, yeah. Even as like the event was happening, yeah, I right? still think about that last episode of Big Little Lies. Like months after I watched it, I'm, I I think like How, of course, of yes. course, yeah. And then um, and also there's um, uh, the guy who wrote the movie Alien, um, uh, Dan O'Bannon, uh, wrote a guide. Dan yeah, Dan O'Bannon wrote a, uh, a guide to screenwriting, and he makes a big deal about this also, where he says like you can have a twist anytime, but he's like the deal with any twist that you write ever is that it has to be more logical. It has to be... It, he didn't even say more logical. He said it had to be the most logical solution uh, to whatever was going on. So he's like, anytime... So it's got to be something that surprises you, and then in explaining the surprise, people have to go, Jesus, right. That makes of course. The, of course, that makes the most sense. Why didn't I think of that? Because this is what was been staring us in the face the entire time. Which is why Citizen Kane is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, but I agree with you, Sean, that like, I, I think, uh, you know, I think about the, the moments in this show overall that have affected me the most, and none of them... And I, I, we, I think we've been kind of aligned in this where it's like, I did not give a shit about finding out the answer to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. departed or anything like that. Like, I was just interested in how these people were dealing with their lives. Um, but I guess you need both. I guess you need that weirdo that's going, like, here, and then you need the realist that's going, like, to the ground. Well, I just think that Tom Parada was uh, capable of pulling off with pulling off something just as effective without that weirdo element. But so, did he want to do season... Like, did he even... was? I mean, I know he was involved a little he bit. He wrote season... He was a writer in season one, season two, and season three. So oh, was he really? His hands are all over this. Okay. But, yeah. His filthy grease. <laughs> yeah. uh, is there anything that we... Uh, there, is there any... I mean, man, what a different show this was. And, and I think... I guess my big question is... Was this a good show? It's an easy answer for me. I think this was a very good show. Yeah. But man, was this a different show at each season. I think each season represented, mm-hmm. like, like you said, I think that the third season was 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 almost a, not a love story, but kind of, mm-hmm. um, a relationship log. Um, second season was kind of almost like a small town mystery. And first season was this strange apocalyptic 
uh, I don't know. That's so interesting that that's how you view that that like that's how you would wrap like view those seasons. How do you how would you? Because I think of it. I think of I think of season one about mourning. I think about season two about suicide, and season three. Uh, I'm still trying to process. But I'm just I, a happy guy. No, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't quite. But like, I guess I, I, season three is all is about closure, which seems dumb because it's the last season. I like, call it closure, um, but I don't know. I just think. It, I, I mean, it, another thing that we're not really talking about that this did answer was all the things that they were kind of building up to the the um, you know uh, Kevin being uh, a messiah. Um, all the other big things just no. It was all it was it wasn't all bullshit, but n- none of it was real. Twenty to fifteen. The, the the end of the world didn't happen. There was no flood. There was no. Uh, there was no. I mean, there was a nuclear sub that went off. That's a pretty big event. Um, and he still didn't die a couple times, right? He didn't die. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he went to this place. He went to this other place, and there was there was connection between that place and the real world that we knew. Um, so this show had two percent supernatural elements. Going back to what David said at the beginning of the podcast, which is um, this show definitely helps you ponder. Uh, you know, what are we all doing here? What is the point? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that has been consistent through all the seasons, but really hits home this season, and especially the last few episodes that we've talked about, is the idea of family and the idea that um, they're constantly trying to deny that family and love exist in this show. There's character, you know, that's the GR's big thing, is there's no such thing as family. That's one of the last things that we hear Evie Mm -hmm. ever say. Um, We hear, like, Evie's replacement say that. Like, family doesn't exist, and at the end of the world... What is, or quote unquote, what we think is the end of the world, what is the most important thing? And it's the relationships and that you build and the, your family that you're sort of forced to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even the departure didn't seem like that big of a deal that many years removed, which is. What do you mean? Like, nobody met, there was no mention of the departure at the wedding. There was like, it was this huge, huge event, but it seemed like if we're saying, give or take 15, 20, 25 years after the. After Nora first went into the chamber, that now we're seeing what happened. Um, it, it, this is not a world that is still necessarily shaped that much, or at least uh, in in the day to day, your your day to day life uh, isn't shaped that much by the departure. Now, like nine eleven, subtle ways like nine eleven. That's what I mean. Lives like, today. You know, you don't. You know, the first few, the first, you know, seven years after nine eleven, people were still very much. Like, it was still very much on people, I don't know, it was on mine, and it seemed like it was in the, the also because we were going through, a, you know, presidential elections, uh, very big ones. Non-stop uh, since. Um, huh? Mm-hmm. So pretty much non-stop Yeah, since. we've been, we've been in an election season for the last uh, eight years. Um, but thank God we're done. Um, <laughs> yeah, it all really worked out. But it seemed like in, in this show, um, it didn't even... If it wasn't for Nora and Matt being there, we wouldn't have really heard much about it. It seemed like the world was back to normal. I think because they got through that threshold of seven years meant something, nothing happened. It's like, okay, yeah. maybe we can breathe. And I do think this is a thing that um, I remember uh, mentioning briefly uh, somewhere toward the end of season one um, <clears throat> on a podcast that um, one of the bigger tragedies that uh, uh, I've heard philosophers discuss in regards to uh, uh, death and love is that uh, we're too resilient, yeah. that um, if you talk to somebody six months after, uh, two years after, seven years after, 15 years after, that um, uh, uh, after a very tragic event where you lose someone incredibly close to you, uh, lots of people uh, have sort of bounced back from that tragedy. There's mm-hmm. tremendous grief early on in the process. There are still pangs and moments of grief and loss that happen and sustain throughout your life, but... Uh, but by and large, uh, human psychology is such that uh, we just get over it. Mm-hmm. And That's there's this survival. sort of like, uh, like what's it called? The uh, something to the mean, like regression to the mean. Yep. Um, the idea that you know you'll always you can go through highs and lows, but you always kind of stay somewhere in the middle. People who like lose their limbs, for example, like it's super tragic, but you'll be ultimately just as content with your life mm-hmm. as you were before because you've it's learned yeah. evolution. after an adjustment period. Yeah. 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 
And I think that's a really big tragedy. And I think that's something that um, uh, that uh, is worth exploring. Um, you think it's a tragedy? Yes, because what that suggests in uh, sort of the reverse, the converse of that, is that like how important are our relationships, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? yeah. If 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 I told you the person that means the most to you right now goes away and six months later you bounced back and you're okay with it, uh, that's mm. terrifying in in reverse, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess if I told you though that let's say that that I think I'm like thinking personal experience, like experiencing a deep trauma that wasn't necessarily related to the loss or death, but like another loss of a different kind. Um, that uh, maybe not quite six months, but hey, in, in in three years, four years, you're not going to feel like killing yourself. Yeah, then that's, that's wonderful. That's that's yeah. wonderful. It's it's yeah. it's the reason for that mm-hmm. because if I think. It's definitely very sad what it says about our relationships and how really, truly important they are. Um, but it's also there so that, like, every time you hit one of these traumas in your life, your life isn't derailed. And, and yeah. like, you, you can you can move on. Well, and that's, you know... You don't all, get to have both. It all sort of is evolutionary, in a sense, because sure, that's what we have sure. to do to, oh, yeah. do, like, uh, you know, procreate. But also, I don't know if any of you listen to Invisibilia. Yep. Um, they I've just, tried. They was the start of the new season this week, um, and they talked about emotions. Did you hear this episode? Yep. Emotions and uh, as concepts. Yeah, and it was pretty interesting because the conclusion they came to after talking to one of like the foremost experts on emotions um, is that we think of them as something that like we can't control, and that you know they um, are just something that like it's our reactions or it's our inherent reactions. But essentially, like we're not born. We're on, we're not born with like those like disgust and like love and all these things they're things we learn through like trial and error and mm-hmm. and we learn through our society right. the social constructs roughly exactly that we actively create um as we experience the world mm-hmm. and so basically you know if that's true then what is what are relationships what is love what is are these things that we believe to be these like truths well aren't they there to can like from a, a Darwinian uh, perspective, they're there to make us feel like we need to meet someone and, and procreate, yep. or at least meet someone and create a safe household so that we can survive the storms. Mm-hmm. And but I think what's interesting—I mean, if the Invisibility Podcast actually says that it's explicitly anti-Darwinian, that it's not this hardwired evolutionary story that we get to tell; that it's rather more uh, of of cultural creations, because you can tell. Uh, uh, any sort of claim about any emotion you think is universal, there's a society that doesn't have that emotion or doesn't doesn't claim to experience an emotion comparable to that, which suggests that it's not hardwired evolution. It's something more about what's what culturally uh, you you create. <clears throat> David, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I guess uh, my my question is: we you, you were talking about the tragedy of. Uh, of like resilience as it pertains to tra- uh, to, to to loss. Um, but I also, I mean, I, you know, we talked about like how we couldn't, um, <clears throat> like how we couldn't survive as a species if we, uh, if we didn't have that resilience. Um, and then you said to imagine the, the, the other version of that. Uh, but I, I guess I just wonder like how, like, I don't know, for some reason like that doesn't, um, Like, losing a loved one and then, like, to me, the bounce back is is actually very important in the idea of mourning and honoring somebody. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think of uh, people in my life that I've lost and I think about how it has... Uh, you know, and sometimes you know the little little things how it has affected my behavior or my attitude towards things, or um, just my you know my own mentality of approaching things in, in certain ways. Um, and and it's like I would never have gotten to that place if it was just sadness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, you know, and I, and I think about thinking about this show. Like, I think to some extent, like that is that is the other side of what we're seeing here, right? Like, um, if all Laurie does is mourn, if all she does is um, is try to kill herself and then say, 
fuck it, I've got to prove to everybody that everything is meaningless. Uh, you know, does she get to, you know, does she get to be like bouncing Lily's child on her knee? Um, and you know, and be Nora's or yeah, Jill, I'm sorry, Jill's child on her knee and be Nora's witness in the world. Um, you know, 20 years later, um, you know, you know, all these things of like, if, if there's like, I think we've seen some of the characters who just, who could only mourn, uh, and all the different ways that they destroyed themselves over the course of this show. And it feels to me like that's like, like not only not sustainable, but it's not, um, that it does no service to the memories of the people that they are trying to, that, that they are, that they are, are wrestling with, I guess. Yeah. That's a powerful counter and you should publish that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do God. it, David. Yeah. Do it. Well. Publish. <laughs> um, Was this a good show? Uh, yes. yes. In the pantheon of shows. Yeah. Yeah. Is this like up there with other things? Is this one of the, let's, let's just keep it with HBO. Is this one of the better shows that HBO has ever done? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So on a scale from what uh, our list to the wire. <laughs> Ooh, are we going the wire over? Yeah, I guess we'll go the wire. So we'll wire Sopranos. Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, Carnival. No, sorry. Uh, I, thought, I, would, I, would put, I would throw Treme up there pretty high, but that's uh, just me. I know shows that have more silent. Let's say shows that have ended. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say shows that have ended because I think Game of Thrones will take a spot pretty pretty yeah. lofty up there. But, yeah. Uh, but Game of Thrones. I don't know. Will not and cannot be the best no. HBO show. No, like, I don't like. Know I mean, like, it, like, I there's don't nothing it, you can do to catch the wire and or the Sopranos. Sopranos for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not for Dave. Not not for Dave. Not not for Mike though. He's over there going. You guys. No, uh, the wire was fantastic. Uh, I think uh, as far as overall seasons, uh, from season to season, uh, I didn't finish The Sopranos, um, but yeah, I, I would I would I would agree that Game of Thrones, even after it ends. Overall, will not take a top spot. Will it beat the leftovers? Uh, do you think? Who knows? Right, we can't really answer the question. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that at the moment, but uh, leftovers is definitely in, in. I thought it was pretty fantastic, and I thought it was a pretty what it, what it accomplished in three short, like you know, condensed seasons. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. An overall story with uh, different ways of telling it throughout, as we've discussed yeah. tonight. Um, yeah, really interesting way mm-hmm. to go about doing it. Yeah, and this I has found, been a fun podcast. Yeah. yeah, I found season two a particular high watermark for it, which was very impressive yeah. to me. Um, just um, it, which I mean, I'm going to continue saying negative things <laughs> that backhanded in my compliments, which was all the more disappointing that we didn't get more of the Murphy clan because yeah. I just really cared a lot God, about yeah. the Murphys God, in yeah. season. We two. only got a glimpse of Regina King. Mm. The queen. Yeah. We didn't get the John the episode trampoline. we were hoping for. Yeah, we, yeah. I, was hoping, I was really hoping yeah. for a John episode. Yeah. Um, I also, like, uh, this is a thing that I was reminded of in season two that I had almost completely forgotten about. Um, that um, that's, That sequence where um, Patty's a, a, a child yeah. and where Kevin is, is well. walking with her oh. uh, yeah. to the well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, like, even that moment, like, I just think about, like, like that season was... As 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 gripping as anything, like mm-hmm. literally anything I've ever yeah. seen on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, this to me was like uh, one of those kid shows that has a whole bunch of jokes for adults as well. So it's 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 good for for both like Pixar because, movies, like Pixar movies. <laughs> um, what about this is a kid show. Yeah, if I may, yeah, uh, can't be through because this is like for what I feel like I can handle is on the lower end. And then, like, you guys talk on the podcast. That's the other wavelength. Um, so uh, it, it it hits a wide spectrum of... of uh, it's the tiny of tunes. People. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, Animaniacs. Yeah. Which, by the way, I read is going to be coming back. Really? Oh, finally. Yeah. We'll see. They're bringing back a show from two decades you know, ago. Nobody, nobody's happen. doing that yeah. anymore. <laughs> du- DuckTales looks pretty dope. Ducktales. Yeah. Are they bringing back Ducktales? Yeah. With like a ridiculous cast. Is Bob Newhart still alive? 
Is Patton Oswalt involved in it? Let's get, let's get, let's get a good. season and a half of Newhart back. <laughs> Happy with that. I mean, this show almost ended like Newhart. That's uh, what we thought it was going to be. Has anybody yeah. watched the YouTube video of him opening a DVD case? No. <laughs> it's it's classic Bob Newhart, and oh. it's from less than two years ago, I believe. <laughs> oh, I, I will yeah. definitely watch that. Mm-hmm. I'll watch that. Yep. Yeah. And, if, and even, if it, even if it says it's 55 minutes long, yeah. I will watch that. It's very funny. Um, he's, he's great. Check out, his, uh, check out his albums. Some of them are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so his like phone calls. Some of them yeah. are not. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have secret Bob Newhart. <laughs> yep. Uh, any rap, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I think about this show and like I, I can't think of many other shows um, where um, that like that both yeah like like Mike said like. Where, like, I was very um, wrapped up in what the immediate plot was while also being, like, very much aware and invested in the kind of larger questions that it was asking the entire time. And I don't think that was just a product of doing a podcast with all you brainiacs. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think, I mean, except for the fact that I wouldn't have kept watching the show because uh, the first two episodes bored me. Yeah. Um, Snoresville. It, but, like, uh, like, I like maybe I'll I'll, I'll think over uh, a couple uh, other shows that were like this over the course <laughs> of my life, um, but I can't I can't think of many. Um, so you know, for that reason alone, I think uh, it was a good show. Um, who knows though? Sometimes I think something's a really good show, and then uh, like my life changes, and I go back to it, and I hear somebody else talk about it. I'm like, you're right. The leftovers was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ever? Um... Will you ever go back through this show again? Do you think? Because there are certain shows that I can do that, and there are certain shows that, I, well, I love the first time through. I will never touch again. Uh, it's so much easier for things uh, on cable yeah. uh, to do that. So I, I, could, I think that I might go through, and maybe sooner than later, um, uh, because it's really not that long. Well, um, you can do it in a like, weekend. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a yeah, weekend. I don't know if I would. Uh, I, weekend, yeah. I don't think I, could, I, don't, I don't think I would. I don't think I would be able to. I watch Treme constantly. Like I rewatch that. I can put on that show like a good album, any episode, and I yeah. can just tune into it and just love it. I, I mean, the music also kind of carries. It does. Through. It certainly does. But 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 even more than that. But like this show, I enjoyed thoroughly. It, it's I'm. This is a better television show than Treme, just in terms of like. Uh, objectively, subjectively, Treme is my favorite show that's ever been on HBO. Sure, um, but objectively, this show's better. I, I don't know that I'd go back to, unless I was like with a person who hadn't seen this and wanted to watch it with them. Sure. But like, I'm not going to show my kids this show someday. Like, what a great show! Sean, um, I don't think I would go back through this. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I I really I love the show a lot. Um, it does give me a ton to think about and I think that I've done all the thinking I need to do on this show. Yeah. Uh, three things then. One, I think I would rewatch season two uh, because of the ninja move that it did in pulling off the um, hotel um, mm-hmm. uh, universe of mm-hmm. Kevin's Good trip. Uh, it just totally uh, d- uh, said, I totally thought it was worthless the first time he went and the second time I was bowled over. Um, uh, two, um, in relation to the, the show on the whole, I already made my Damon Lindelof critique and P.S. Um, Alan Sepinwall's version of that is to say that, um, uh, Damon Lindelof likes to mad lib his shows where he says, I know the underlying, like Mm. what's supposed to pay off and now I'm just going to give you unexpected things along the way, uh, that don't make sense, but you know, you're getting there. That's definitely lost. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's just unexpected, uh, filler, right? That, that, well, we know we're going to pay this off somehow, so we'll just do that. Um, uh, wonderful critique, Alan Sepinwall. Uh, I might be, uh, in love with you. Um, (laughs) Uh, but uh, I also I, I mentioned that I was concerned about um, this becoming a story about relationships and, and Nora and um, uh, Kevin's relationship. Well, I think there's something that um, that the creators of the show did in shifting this from a story about grief, comparing it to death, and saying there's something unique about departure. That departure is about a different type of loss. It's about a, a loss that doesn't have closure. 
And there's that's not comparable to death according to this yeah. TV show, which I don't think was true in the um, the book. Um, and I think what they said is, what is comparable to that that we know about? That is that is that is a deep loss you experience that is not death. And I think it's the ending. end of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I think what they did, and I don't think I'm convinced in doing that as convinced in this. Perhaps because my head was set in one direction, but they said, let's tell the story of a loss of a relationship in Kevin and Nora and see the parallels and the and how there isn't closure when a relationship ends or mm-hmm. there there often isn't there 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 sometimes isn't yeah um and uh that's interesting to me but it's not what I expected and, and now that oh sorry I'm not sure that I wanted it to be that so mm-hmm. it's one of those like I didn't see it coming and I'm not sure it made sense. But now that you bring that up, it makes me realize how similar Kevin's search for Nora in the end was essentially her search for her children. Mm -hmm. Um, That he would, you know, he knew it was insane. He basically knew that they, that she was dead. Everyone said she was, but somehow he felt like she was still there and he kept looking and kept looking and then finally, years later, found her, which is essentially her journey, her supposed journey with you know, she lost her children and then yeah. went looking for them, finally found them, and ultimately decided not to be with them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So some similarities and differences. And one third and final thing uh, about this podcast itself. I mean, first, I loved it. i uh, really, mm-hmm. really glad to have uh, spent um, so many uh, evenings with, uh, with all journey. of you. Sure. Uh, and one thing I'll remember the most that I haven't commented on yet, uh, a, a navel-gazy confession. I do listen to the podcast mm-hmm. afterward. Um, very frequently, I would wonder, wait, has my podcast feed cut off? And no, it's just David Danella's pauses. <laughs> <laughs> And I listen to double speed, so that's doubly impressive. <laughs> you know what's funny about that, that was is that um is that you one time uh like a couple years ago were talking uh, maybe it was about this podcast, maybe it was about a different podcast where you talked about listening on double speed and you were like the only person I can't listen to on double speed is David because he talks so goddamn <laughs> you fast. Do, but then you pause as well. So it's yeah. a weird mix. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well, I think that'll uh, do for the, the show itself. Uh, what do you uh, maybe have coming up, Jolie? Um, 1860 Improv, most Saturday nights at the Philly Improv Theater. Um, can, can I plug French? Yeah. Since it's fr- okay. Uh, September 13th through the 17th, since we won't be here weekly, so I gotta do it now. Um, I am producing and writing a show for the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. Fringe Theater? Fringe Arts? Fringe Arts. Fringe Arts. Um, Philly Fringe. And People it is called Town, and it's based on Our Town, and it's ah. gonna be crazy. Um, so come check that out. September 13th through the 17th at the Philly Improv Theater. Awesome. David. Um, as for me, uh, I'll be maybe taking a month off podcasting, um, but then it's back at it for Game of Thrones. Stark, Raven, Matt, a Game of Thrones podcast. Um, also, um, you can check me out every Tuesday at Fit Comedy doing uh, on the te- house team The Future. Um, also, uh, probably doing a couple seltzer hours that same <laughs> night at 10 p.m. Uh, you can check me out... Uh, I got, I've got a lot of projects, man. Forget it. Um, uh, uh, American Express Comedy um, is uh, is the other thing I will plug right now. Um, it, we are an all people of color group. Um, we're currently doing um, every other Friday at Fit Comedy. That might be changing in the near future. But check us out. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, because um, we're crushing it right now. There's no other way to say it. And uh, we're going to be doing more. Rob. At Brotherly Rob on Twitter, um, uh, robalessiani.com for all your coaching and whatever you need, improv wise needs, uh, that aren't strictly classes and shows, uh, everything else. Um, uh, every other Friday, you can see me in every first and third Friday, uh, Thank You Places and Improvised Musical at Fit Comedy, 2030 Sansom Street, uh, although that may be changing, uh, sometime in the future, uh, for the more frequent, I will see. Um, what That's else? Oh, I'll be in Chicago. Uh, thank, thank you places will be uh, in Chicago if you're out in the Midwest uh, for the 
the third annual Chicago Musical Improv Festival uh, at IO Theater. So we will be in that with a bunch of ridiculously talented people. So we'll be out there in uh, late August. Other than that, I'm all around the city doing a bunch of stuff. Sean. At Sean Keegan Landis on Instagram, it's a must follow. Uh, I host <laughs> um, Frog Night at Good Good Comedy. The next one's coming up Sunday, June 18th at 7 o'clock. Um, and uh, f- first official announcement of this uh, creative partner Max Sittenfield and I are putting up a show called Shark Tank The Final Episode, mm-hmm. a bizarro sketch comedy show uh, that's based off of the reality TV show Shark Tank. Uh, more information about this run of shows in Philadelphia in July, available at sharktankphilly.com. Cool. This is Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Marbach. Pretty much everything else on social media as well at Mike Marbach. Uh, you can get this podcast as well as the one David mentioned previously, Stark Raven Meta Game of Thrones podcast on watercooler.com, W-O-O-D-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-R.com. And as David also mentioned, the Seltzer Hour, which you can see me in every single week uh, starting Tuesday, June 6th at 10 p.m. We were Mondays at 10 p.m. We're moving to Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Uh, and... Uh, oh, and if you're listening to this in the year uh, 2018, it's now Wednesdays at yeah, 10 p.m. It's now Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, and Thursdays and Fridays uh, <laughs> at 10 p.m. And hamburgers eat people. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, like your cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, is that clear? <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, thank you, Julie. Thank you, David. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Uh, for a very, you were the adults yeah. to my child in this podcast. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Ooh. This was it. Bye. 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 Bye.